0: Speaking the language, from wine geeks to weekend warriors, it's the Cork Torks with Adam Montiel and Jeremy West, live.
1: Good day to you, you and yours. Happy, oh, you're on mic three, I always forget that. Yeah, I'm on three now. You normally on mic
0: two, but you, know, well, you don't hear yourself? No, it's us program. So oh, we haven't, uh, we, is that, that's not pro?
1: Well, it is pro. uh, no, no, no. there
0: you go. Oh, there you go. That's, doesn't that sound better? Yeah, it's a little we better. We have to get back in yeah. here and dial things in a little bit different because we have the COVID restrictions. <laughs>
1: Actually, Th- this to me, I mean, we're all vaccinated. I don't understand why you can't be in the studio. Doesn't this just rub you the wrong way like it does me, Mr. Eberly?
0: All right. So today,
2: I've had all three of my vaccinations.
1: Oh, you have? we are talking about? You got your booster? Mm-hmm.
0: You're all boosted up? Yeah, look at that. Well, you know, I heard the truth. I heard the truth was it was that was an excuse. They were just worried about Gary coming around uh, some of the (laughs) the ladies around here
1: because they seem to they seem to be distracted when he walks in.
2: They do everything to keep you around.
1: (laughs) Right, right. Uh, How you been, Mister Gary Emery? It's great to talk to you.
2: I feel great. I, I really do.
0: You know, it was funny. I was just uh, talking to Adam about seeing you at the fair, and I thought you looked the best that I'd ever seen you. I mean, you just, you just, you have a glow about you. And, uh, I was just thinking, is he going to say he has a glow about
1: him? <laughs> so- oh,
2: boy. No, well, that's because you haven't seen me skinny dipping. <laughs> yeah, well, I good. have, though.
0: That's good. I though. Have, though. You have? Oh, yeah. I've been at the club, Eb. Yeah. I want to thank you. I, I, I spent one, one afternoon out at club, Eb, over the summer during the fair, and what a relief. But, you know, really this summer, uh, you know, the temperatures haven't been what we typically expect, right? I mean, I mean, we felt that during the fair. We had days in the seventies. We're like, wow, it could be over a hundred right now. It's really quite different this summer in Paso Robles.
2: Well, you know, I was talking with Howie Steinbeck, my partner and vineyard manager. And uh, we were talking, you know, the last two decades in Paso have been cooler overall than certainly the 70s and 80s. Uh, I think as we get climate change, there are areas that are getting warmer and areas that are getting cooler. Now, I don't mean Paso got cold. You still don't have to have a parka but uh significantly uh I would say the last two decades we are our averages are really cooler than certainly what I remember you know uh back in the the seventies and eighties i mean eighty four was unbelievably hot,
0: so if we said you've done uh i don't know about forty vintages here on the central coast, would we be pretty close
2: yeah over forty
1: yeah we uh, we had we had uh, hank on. Hank Donatoni, God rest his soul, and we celebrated his 50th vintage. Yeah, that's very true, yeah. That was a year or so ago, 50 vintages. That's crazy. Do we talk
2: My As a commercial winemaker, the season...
1: Math is happening. No, he's adding in his head. Uh, right, That's over,
2: over, over
0: 50. He's oh, from the generation 50, Adam where uh, they didn't have iPhones.
1: I've 54 crushes. Yeah, yeah. You, well, you didn't see, well, Jeremy and I are virtually with Gary, and he actually turned around in his chair and used the abacus, <laughs> and he put it together. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I don't know if we talked about
0: Hank, we, didn't, we talked about well, off that, the air. Before I was just going to say, I oh, mean, yeah. because of the cool vintage, and you've done over 50 now, I mean, talk about some years, that you, some vintages you remember that were kind of like 2021, mm. if there were any, that you, stick yes. out.
2: Well, two of the vintages that I I remember, uh, probably most vivid because they were so out of the ordinary, would be 79, uh, which was a very cool vintage. And we had three different storms come through and drop rain in Paso Robles. And I remember picking the last grapes uh, in 79 on December 7th. I, a date that will live in infamy. Wow! I mean, that was that was a and then '84. Uh, in my experience, was without a doubt the hottest vintage I ever experienced. We were picking Chardonnay, something like August eighth, and they were unripe, but the sugar was up so high you just couldn't let them hang out there anymore.
0: Do you remember 2011?
2: Yeah, 2011 was, was uh, okay, not great. The the really great vintages that I remember, I think 07, 09, 87, um, 91, um, 18 was a great vintage. Yeah.
0: I just remember Um, 11 was cool. That's why I bring it up because we're talking about a cool year. And um, I know that was, you know, some people really enjoyed that. I remember having some calves from Castle Robles that uh, were definitely not as big uh, as far as when you talk about fruit characteristics in 11 a little bit more earthy it reminded me some of the stuff that we had when adam and i got a chance to go to bordeaux
2: yeah i uh i'm just trying to think i know it's hard for me to remember why i went into any room except the bathroom (laughs) but uh 2011 was 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 a very good year i'm still Oh seven, oh nine, and even eighteen—I think—are probably now the three that I really point to. I mean, the fruit was just so good when it came in.
1: I hear a lot of people talking about nineteen as something real exciting too, because you're starting to see some of those now yeah. released, and you know you will in the next year or so see even more of those released. Yeah, well,
2: you know, I always judge the uh, the wines by about two months after they'd been in a bottle and R-19 is not in the bottle. You're just getting ready.
1: to. Really? Okay. Yeah. So you took a lot more time. How you been? Now, does like Chris, like will he come up to you and be like, hey, here's, or you don't care. you just like, let me know when it's done or good. I mean, obviously, or, or do you like to kind of, not micromanage that process, but do you like to be tasting every step of the way?
2: Well, you know, when I stepped away and I said, okay, I'm not the winemaker anymore. And I, I turned it over. And, uh I, uh, it was a real, I think a flaw on me, because I, I was really, I was a micromanager. I wanted to still be there involved. And, and now, um, during the crush, you know, Chris comes up, we talk about, you know, how things are looking, what grapes are coming in and sugar acid, pHs. But until we start doing the blending, until he starts bringing wines up out of the barrel. Uh, I really don't get involved that much. I mean, I'm an old man.
1: <laughs> hey, we got Gary Eberly here at the Liquid Lunch. Uh, before we get into the reason we have you on the show, and um, and I didn't mean to, I, I kind of stepped on Jeremy's question there, but I didn't remember if we talked about that on the air or off the air. But Hank Donatoni, that was a really big deal. Yeah. We learned about that on Friday, Jeremy. Very and sad news. Yeah. Really sad news. Uh, what, what your experiences over the years? Uh, what, what can you offer us about the great Hank Donatoni?
2: Oh, um, you know, I can't remember the first time I met Hank, but it's got to have been at least 40 years ago. And uh, when he was coming up and buying grapes, you know, for his little home wine making operation before he really turned it commercially. And the thing I remember about him most vividly was uh, you could, you know, punch him in the mouth and he would still smile. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he gets, I. I I, I some, it was sort of like the Joker, you know, he had that perpetual smile yeah. on his face. Yeah. It was just and he was so even tempered and and a and a, a really polite gentleman. And uh you know, he was a captain uh I think it was American Airlines forever. I mean he flew all over the place uh commercially. I mean he was uh that was his first job and uh and I don't think he cartwheeled more than a half dozen planes in his career.
1: (laughs) I mean, he's always been so nice to us. We had him on the show, and it's funny you try and, like, look through your, you know, the camera roll is so interesting on the iPhone. You can kind of, like, type in some certain things, so I was able to zero in on a couple of different times, he was on the show here. Uh, times when Jeremy and I went to visit, of course, a couple of years ago after he lost uh, his best friend Richard Sered, who was another Pastor Robles legend. Uh, he was nice enough to have us out there, remember? We and yeah. we sat in the same kind of chair that little area right outside his property there where he and Richard would hang out as best friends every Sunday. And we just sat there and he just talked about his friend and even had a wine together where the label was just a picture of them, too. They were they were good buddies.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it just seems well. It's, I'm at that point where I am losing friends faster than I can count. I mean, you know, Jim Clendenon, Richard Sorett, um, some people in the industry you don't know. And all of a sudden, I'm going, and I'm still out here kicking reasonably well. I just did my yearly physical proctologist uh, uh, <laughs> you're winning Gary you're winning cardiologist you know uh, the whole thing blood test and I, I came out they in fact they said both the uh, uh, the, the urologist said okay don't bother doing uh, a PSA anymore he said my PSA you know they say anything my age anything under four is good i was 0.98 he said you know don't don't bother you know if you die of something it won't be your prostate and uh, the gastroenterologist last uh, about four months ago i did an endoscopy because i've got barrett syndrome and i did a colonoscopy which is <laughs> one of my very favorite things sure and uh <laughs> Uh, after the colonoscopy, he said, Okay, that's your last colonoscopy. I said, uh, He said, You're clean, you've been clean, and uh, nothing's good. Don't worry, that's not going to bother you. So I went home, took the seatbelt off of my toilet.
1: <laughs> you can have your last colonoscopy, like I a mean, bit. Yes. You just you-
0: Now, does that say? Well, wait a second. Why is this my last one? Are you thinking I'm not going to make it to the next one, or is that because at some point your body
1: you just don't need to get them anymore? Well,
2: yes. You know, at your age. Um, you're going to, something else is going to kill you. Right. Like decide. the
1: time it would take for that to, you know, progress yeah, and yeah. da, da, da. A That's interesting. I had never known that. Now I was going to ask you. It's so funny. You bring that up. You talk about like seeing friends, you know, around you pass away. And I didn't know, I didn't know what, when you start to feel your mortality more, is it when that happens or when you start winning like every single lifetime achievement award in the industry year after year after year? Does that make you go, what is it? Am I, am I, am I out the door or what? Well, no, I tell you what.
2: I mean, I, I, it's like you know, the the, the first one I won. Like, oh, hey, that's kind of cool because that was about seven, eight years ago.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And then every couple of years, I've been winning these awards, and I'm going. Uh, I must be really winding down because uh, I'm waiting to see that I'm going to be up on Mount Rushmore next. <laughs> you know, I mean, I. You know, there's so many of these, you know, lifetime achievement awards, and, uh, you know, I'm humbled, and I I think of the people that I know that should have them and deserve them, I think, certainly more than I do.
1: Well, we're going to talk about some of the new ones, too, Jeremy. Do you even know about the new ones, Jeremiah? No, please hit me with the latest. So we had the Robert Mondavi. Yes. Lifetime Hospitality and Food Award. I was
0: here for that. Yes. Gary came in. I remember we talked about
1: it. We talked about um, the many ones that have come to the California State Wine Awards, And the numerous before that. The two new ones this year so far are the Wine Enthusiast American Wine Legend Award. That is him. Yes.
2: What can I say?
1: And then... Roan Rangers is giving him also a Lifetime Achievement Award. Gary
0: Eberle. Oh, my God. And this just in from Wine Enthusiast Magazine. Sexiest winemaker alive over
1: 65. (laughs) Gary (laughs) Eberle. He's just raking them in. Hey, I I was shaving my legs, baby. (laughs) This has got to feel really cool. We'll talk about the Rhone Rangers one in a second, because I'm sure there's some, obviously, there's some local aspect of that. They're a national organization, but there's some local, you know, feels that are attached to that. But the Wine Enthusiast Award, American Wine Legend, that's got to feel fantastic. That one really
2: caught me off guard. I was, uh, because they don't give it every year. They, uh, I, I think it seems like about every three years they designate an American wine legend. And, you know, it tends to be up in Napa, Warren Winarski, and and when um, they called me and said, hey, uh, you're going to be the American, we just had a, a meeting, and you are unanimous choice to be this year's American wine legend. And I went, oh, okay, <laughs> and I checked to see if I still had a pulse or not. Uh, but that one that one took me a little, that one took me by surprise. That was uh, uh, you know, Adam Strum, who's the uh, publisher of the, uh, the Enthusiast. I'm sitting at home on a Saturday morning, and I get a call and i'm thinking this, you know saturday morning come on it's gonna be a robo call what the heck and the guy comes on he says uh gary i said yeah he said this is adam strom and i go I-, I almost said oh yeah ah uh, thank you bye you know i mean uh and he's stuck and i said, holy cow yeah no this is then you know then he went on and um
1: and I, I mean, I was,
2: I was really surprised, uh, you know, to be included. There aren't they've only done about eight or nine American wine legends. Wow! Like I said, they don't do it every year. Um, and uh, boy, they made a big production of that's so in, cool. Even in a COVID year.
1: Yeah, yeah and I, I imagine you know if you look at that one, Jeremy, wine enthusiast, American wine legend. You have the Robert Mondavi, you have the California State. How many people have won all three of those? Yeah. I really. mean, I, so no, one. no one. Well, well
2: I have. I'm the only one that has won uh, all three, or actually uh, all four of those. <laughs> but nobody has won more than two in the state except for me.
0: And, you know, you've always I been a guy that, to push Cabernet. I mean, I know the, you know, Rones are very important and, you know, we all know about the Syrah. But, uh, I mean, Cabernet's always been kind of your baby. Yeah,
2: I, I mean, I you know maybe this is my fault because you know I mean I came to California to make great Cabernet and and it's still the wine that I, I identify with, but at the same time, uh, Syrah I love Syrah uh, I love Pinot Noir but I can't grow Pin I can grow Pinot Noir but I can't make Pinot Noir from Paso Fruit it's uh, I can make a nice red wine, but I don't think it would be good Pinot Noir. Um, but the Rhone's, I got really excited about Rhone's when I was at Davis. And there was no Rhone. I mean, it just wasn't. It, it was one of those fluky things because I went to Doc Omo and Dr. Winkler. And I said, oh, uh, what? And it, For all intents and purposes. I mean, what they said was it's just a fluke. I mean, it. You know, because we had, you know, we had so many Rome varieties and, and, uh, and other things. And, and the premier Rome grape somehow was overlooked and nobody ever planted it. So I set out to, to do it. And I planted the first Syrah vineyards in the United States. And I would say conservatively, um, 60, 65% of all the Syrah grown in the U.S., uh, is from cuttings from my, uh, it's a Chapoutier clone I got from Tain, from um, uh, through Doc Omo from Max Chapoutier. But I also I made the first Kunwaz, and nobody knew. Uh, <laughs> you know, I've I've got these arrows sticking out of my back because I'm always doing <laughs> dumb shit things. Well, now
1: that, I mean Kunwaz <laughs> is super hot. Kunwaz well, is super hot right now. I was making Kunwaz in '90.
2: 39495 and that's a, a quick joke how I used to sell it cuz I took it out and it the you know, Kunwa's doesn't have a lot of color i mean it so we made it into a rosé cuz we didn't have a rosé at that time and we put it in a clear a flint hawk bottle and we labeled it Kunwa's rosé and when i went to get label approval uh the guy back in washington that does uh, label approval called us up says you can't use that you can't use Kuhn Laws. We don't recognize it. And I went. What do you mean? It's 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 one of the registered wrong varietals. And he said, Yeah, we don't. It's not on our list. I said, But you know. He said, Yo, I recognize. We looked it up. Yeah, it's a legitimate grape. No. And I said, But he said you can't use it. And I said, I I he said, Tell me about it. I said, Well, you know, it's, we make it into a dry rosé. He says, well, label it Cunois Rose. And I'm going, well, he says, Cunois Rose, that becomes a proprietary label and you can own it. So I own <laughs> Cunois Rose.
1: Oh, <laughs> is that right? No way.
2: It's that stupid. <laughs> yeah, how funny. But, but well, the joke I used to go into, you know, the wine shops or restaurants, and, you know, and you only have 15 minutes and you'd. Try to pour six different wines to people, and I would uh, pour the rosé, and the, the people would look at it and they say, "What? What is this?" I said, "Well, it's Coonwaz." How do you pronounce it? Coonwaz? Because in French, if you cover the s with a vowel, you pronounce the s, like in Pinot Gris. Uh, because the s is not covered by a vowel, uh, you don't pronounce the s. He said, "Because if you put a vowel after the s in Pinot Gris." Then you would call it Pinot Grease, but then that would be confused with KY Jelly.
0: Oh my goodness.
2: <laughs> I, sold a, I sold a lot of crew <laughs>
0: that joke that is so that's, great Gary Everly. for the congratulations on another fantastic accolade another lifetime achievement award uh the Rone Rangers that is that is fantastic and i mean and you know like adam said you know this is a national organization but i mean we have events right here on the central coast every single year as well
2: yeah you know, it's funny i mean I, I do make cabernet but it's the only uh, uh bordelaise grape that we work with but i make you know Syrah, counoist grenache oh. uh uh, oh, Roussin, uh Grenache Blanc. I mean, we make more Rhone wines than we do Cabernet. Yeah. But uh, but Cabernet is still my love.
1: It is, and that's kind of where you, it comes from, you being a cab house. It's just because of your, your love for it. I mean, you know, like planning Syrah so long ago before anyone else, and like you said, a lot of your wines being of the Rhone style it's uh it's interesting that you're kind of known as a cab house but you also have deep deep history and have been recognized for that uh with the roan rangers that's another and that again like jeremy said like you know obviously they do a lot of things nationally but the majority of the folks who are members of the roan rangers are are right here and there's a lot of like you know real kind of roan love here what was that award uh how'd that strike you uh i
2: i mean again i was uh uh, I mean, I, I, I know what, what I knew what my position was within the uh, organ. I mean, the Rhone movement. I mean, I was very instrumental. I said, first Seurat, first kunwas, uh the fifth or sixth person to make bien uh, in the state. I'm pretty sure the first and past Rebels, but I never really bothered. I mean, I, I wasn't looking at firsts. Um, and, and and we've been very active. You know, we, we do a, a red white, a red, Rhone blend, white Rhone blend, and our rosé now is a blend of uh, Grenache Syrah with a with a splash of Viognier in it, just to sort of brighten the fruit up a little bit. Um, uh, so I mean, we're seriously into uh, uh, in, into the Rhone zone,
1: and Rhone, Rhone zone. I I think. Because
2: of, you know, I sort of kicked it off here, that people became more and more. And I mean, I was planting Syrah vineyards and selling wood all over Paso Rubles for you know in the in the late seventies and the eighties, uh, even into the nineties. I mean, I sold Randall Graham his first Syrah grapes. Is that right? Oh yeah, yeah. That's him. I got some great Randall stories.
1: I would love too. to learn more about him. He's that yeah, uh, the, we talked to Chris you know, uh, she- oh, go ahead.
2: When I planted the, I was uh, consulting from with Marshream, who built and he was the original owner of Zaca Mesa, and I uh, planted that their bear vineyard, which is now the odd, I I would swear it's the single oldest Syrah vineyard in the United States because the the, the early ones that I planted. All got phylloxera and had to be replanted. Mm. But Ken Brown was the winemaker, but his three premier seller rats were Jim Clendenen, Bob Lindquist, and Alan Tomat. Oh my goodness! So, and uh, you know, my uh, Syrah was what you know Bob propagated, and originally he was getting it because I uh, sold some to Bobby Miller at Viandasito, and uh, you know, I mean that's that's how it got around. So the Central Coast was really the uh, the birthplace of the Ron movement in the state, um, and uh, it it started with Syrah that I planted in
1: seventy four. When you talk about some of those names, especially in Santa Barbara County, it almost sounds like because it, it did blow up there. You know, yeah. I mean, you talk about like stuff at the a and. And, you know, of course you talk about like Coupe and Bob Lindquist and Adam we were- Chomach was Ohio, right? He's up there, Ohio Vineyards or Ohio.
0: Ojai- oh, Bob? Yeah. No, no, Adam. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
2: Adam's up in, yeah.
1: Oh, Yeah. But yeah, it was a lot of Santa Barbara County stuff. Were, were folks, were, were you seeing Santa Barbara County at that time uh, kind of planted as much as, say, Slow County or was there one that was doing it maybe a little bit more? Were you, you know, were you surprised oh. by that interest down there or what? I, I think it was about even, you know, because
2: back in the 70s and then really through the 80s, uh, because uh, the Central Coast had not exploded like it has now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it was not unusual for me to be down in Santa Maria uh, once a week or once every couple of weeks. And, and those guys coming up here, uh, it, the, the whole Central Coast was one community? Was
1: anyone ever now, thinking? Were they thinking? Oh my gosh, the wines in Santa Maria or the grapes there—they're going to be so different than Paso. Or was it just like Central Coast is Central Coast?
2: Central Coast was Central Coast. Uh, I mean, there was you know differences uh, uh, that you know still exist today. But because the the uh, the industry was so small that we considered everything from uh, Santa Maria and uh, San Ynez to pass Robles as one wine community. Sure. I mean that's when we started the you know the the Central Coast wine see Central Coast uh, I forget the the wine growers but it encapsulated and, and, all the wow. people from from all three as Paso particularly really exploded and Santa Barbara also uh sort of exploded we became more autonomous or more insular in that, you know, uh, you hardly, you didn't have time to meet everybody in your own little area, like past roles. So tr- driving down even to San Luis at Valley or down to Santa Maria was, was not that big a deal. So there was so much going on in each of the, uh, the, the three areas which we called the Central Coast originally.
1: Yeah, Gary Eberly is here with us, Adam and Jimmy, the Cork Dorks. I have a question just about like the stick game back in the day. Talk about who you you know you're selling some some sticks. People are planting them here. When does like and obviously there might not be a lot of there weren't even a lot of wineries here, so probably not a lot of people selling plantings. But then you got Talbot's Creek comes up later on, and maybe with the late '90s or whatever. Well, how does that unique industry grow?
2: Uh, well, you know, I mean, I think what really, I mean, you know, what I did and and what you know, Randall did and Bob Lindquist, you know, we got the ball rolling. But when you had Tablas Creek come in with uh, the friends and, and Bob Haas, uh, that gave passerables. Uh, I mean, and and, and their uh, their whole movement. I mean, because everybody knew the Perens, uh, you know, that was uh, you know, an, an international uh, hop into Paso Robles and with all the Rones. Uh, and and I, it's hard to underestimate uh, how important it was that the Perens and the Hasas came into Paso uh, I mean, I, I, I'm going to say they came in late. No, they. I mean, they came, they came in just at the right time. Uh, we had already established uh, uh, rows. I mean, we were doing um, sauvignonier, was some grenache. Uh, you know, before they arrived, but it gave the real. Um, uh, it gave the wine press something to really wrap their writing their pencils around, mm-hmm. and uh, it really helped promote and put Passo on the map. Street uh, cred, yeah. It's it's hard to uh, in, in in the in the Roan movement. It's hard to uh, underestimate the value of what the friends and the hosos have done for Passo rebels and their own movement.
1: That's pretty exciting that's awesome
2: just to yeah, hear about- i mean that was i mean that was a the first time that somebody came in and just said, okay, we're going wrongs. and we've got we've got the credentials, and this is something that you know has been going on for a long time both in europe and and now we're bringing it to california and it it uh, it did a whole lot to really boost uh the recognition of the wrong lines and particularly the
1: Rhone wines at Paso. Yeah, that's something, isn't it? That's so cool. Yeah. And then, you know, then you have the Rhone movement and you have all that kind of stuff. we got Gary Eberle here. He is a Multi-Life Achievement Award winner. What's been things going on, like, as far as, like, the winery? What's the latest, uh, the tasting room? How you been?
2: Uh, we, You know, when uh, the whole COVID thing came in, And, you know, we had to shut down literally. I mean, for there was about a two-month period where we could not have anybody in the tasting room at all. I mean, we just, you know, hey, sorry, we're we're closed due to COVID. But we could ship wine. And uh, I kept all of my people. I paid my people. I kept all the medical. I didn't lose a single employee uh, during COVID except for a couple of kids that said, ah, oh, we're going to go to San Francisco or because, you know, we were just, they weren't getting the tips. They weren't getting the bonus kind of money. But we were selling, and we actually, 2000, uh, end of 2019, 2020, 2020 was the best year I've ever had until this year. And uh, we're doing spectacularly now that we're open Uh, One of the things it did was, you know, we got to the point where we couldn't have people inside, but we could taste outside. So we'd take reservations and, you know, you had to reserve a table. And uh, we thought, okay, and it it worked well because people, it turns out, people were happy to get more attention because you'd have one wine person that maybe had three tables Uh, a a big table was a table of six most of them were tables of four and you would have one person handling three tables and we expanded our decks uh on the west side of the winery we put a brand new deck on the east side of the winery because we were getting the people were they wanted to get out and they wanted their wine and uh it's it's crazy now that we can have people in the tasting room now. We can take walk-ins. Uh, we've kept we've kept this reservation system, and it, it's unbelievable. At the end of the second quarter, I mean, in 2020 was my best year ever. At the end of the second quarter, we were up 27 percent over last wow. year's second quarter, and what, the third quarter is going to come in. And uh, I expect
0: to be up over 30 percent. Well, there's one thing this thing couldn't beat then, and that is drinking wine. Yeah, <laughs> drinking. Well, <right. laughs> this was this COVID was not going to take down drinking alcohol.
2: <laughs> oh boy, no, it's uh, it is. I mean, in, in our case, oh, it has been a real, real boon. Yeah, you know, and you're talking about you know, Rones. I think somebody else said, Does not get enough attention to what he did with the Rones because he? He just—I mean—as as great as his wines are, he, he's almost uh, uh, shies away from any publicity. And That's John Alban down in uh, 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 Edna Valley. You know, I mean, he really—I mean—that was his love was was Rhones, and uh, but I don't think he's even joined any of the organizations. But
1: you know, John well, Hospice Rhone. I mean, he helped start Hospice Rhone. And oh, absolutely. But yeah, you're right. No, I mean, he is another... I mean, if you're going to say Jeremy like a wrong yeah. legend, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's got to yeah, be yeah. up there. John Albon, you know, it's, yeah. it's incredible.
2: But, you know, there are so many people that don't... I mean, even in my industry that don't know him because he just doesn't push himself forward. And uh, it's a shame because he's The
1: humble dude. Tall. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Well, his, I mean, people know his wines, though. I mean, his wines have been... Right? I mean, goodness, 100 points here and there. I mean, like, he's got oh, incredible sure, lines. yeah. No,
0: if you know what you're looking for, you're going to definitely know you know about John Albin. But I also understand that there's a lot of people that would probably love to find out more about John Albin. Sure. But, you know, I also respect people that just, you know, don't like to be the center of attention and just mm-hmm. want to kind of hang back and, and yeah. let Have the ones... guys ever had out. him on the show? Yeah. Mm-hmm. A okay. couple of different times. Uh-huh. Even during COVID, we had him uh, like this the stream, oh. the, st- the video stream show. Yeah, we did a thing I, where we I'm talked about hospice.
2: Because he, he is, uh, uh, he, you know, he, he doesn't come
1: forward. No, it was only because it was hospice to Rhone did we get him. Yeah, that was true. Okay. And it, even before it. then, he politely makes it known like he doesn't need to talk about Albin. He just wants to talk about Rhone wines and how people yeah. can learn more about the hospice. Like it's, it's, it's really remarkable. You know, he's very much... Uh, oh, you've gone to red. Sorry. No, 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 I no, 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 you went no, no. from white to red. Yeah, no, we're, yeah. we're, we're doing... Hey, the-
2: it's afternoon. It's Cabernet time. <laughs> <laughs> well, we should miss you being here. What? Because I know I, you were I, here, I, we'd I, be drinking with you. I'm in and I wash down my five Advil <laughs> with a glass of v Oh, you but take
1: now, Advil like Jeremy does. You guys, yeah. you take a five at a time? That's I, like Jeremy. I, I, I can, we can
2: process you it. You know, the lifetime achievement for Rome you know, that I, I I got this year. You know, I'm going, man, that's something. I, I'm i not saying I didn't expect it to happen sometime or another, but I would have thought that Albin would have gotten it sooner than than I did. Oh, wow. wow. You know, there's so many people that I can think of that that are not on the awards that I've gotten, like the Lifetime Achievement, Dave Ramey. I um, mean, you know, there's so many guys that, I can think of the, you know great winemakers.
1: So who's Dave Ramey? Oh man, Dave. I'm Sorry, I don't know. I, I had to ask. Uh,
2: well, I, in Napa, Sonoma.
1: Okay, okay. So it's. Same thing with like Dick Peterson. That's,
2: yeah, right. And Dick Peterson. I mean, I can't put Dick Peterson in my opinion is currently uh, the gentleman that I would say is California's winemaker emeritus. Yeah, you know, not only did he make great wines, but he gave us Heidi Peterson and Holly. But uh, she's cooked; she's Cordon Bleu. Where Heidi, I think everybody knows what she has done in the industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and and he well, Dick Peterson, and you would never meet a nicer person. He's like Hank, about the same age. Yeah, and it's Doctor Dick Peterson. He has a PhD in chemistry. And his first job was Gallo, but I mean he, I think he's the guy who made Andre Chalchev really famous. Really? Hmm. Oh, I, I man, I will tell you, Dick Peterson was the assistant winemaker at BV uh, when I was at Davis, and the wines that he was turning out in the uh, the late, you know the mid '60s and into the '70s until Cubine bought BV uh dick had a whole lot more to do than than andre did
1: so andre chelichef so jeremy and i can know a little bit more so he was obviously uh he he spent time in napa but then he came down here a little bit
2: he came down here uh
1: the hoffmans hired
2: him as a consultant yeah uh in uh when hugh blind bought out uh uh bv and andre went around consulting because he you know, he, I mean, he was really long in the tooth at that point. Uh, nice man, fun. You met him? Chain smoker. Chain
1: smoker. Couldn't believe it. I mean, uh, I, oh, the French love it. What, oh, what, he, what did you, when did you meet him? What, what do you, what can you say about him?
2: Oh, I met him when I was
1: uh, at Davis.
2: i, I you know, you know, you went to, uh, you know, Krug and Mandavi and BV and Martini and Joe Heights. And uh, he was one of, I mean, it was, I can't remember exactly when I met him, but I met him before I ever came to him before I was still at UC Davis.
0: Wow. Yeah, I know. I remember him uh, coming down and people talking about him uh, out there, Adelaide District, uh, that uh-huh. area. He had a lot to do with, uh, you know, where plantings went in. And uh, like you said, he consulted out there. Uh, yeah, he well.
2: consulted for the Hoffmans.
0: Yeah, which, of course, their their Pinot Vineyard is up there. Uh, yeah. As well, so yeah, very interesting, very good stuff, man. Yeah, and a chain smoker that could taste wine like nobody else.
2: <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> would would uh, smoke a chain if he could light it.
0: It's <laughs> <He says laughs> after the next.
2: But it's funny, you know. That was another award. You know, I, there was a Chelichef award years ago, decades ago, and and I I was the last person. It, it never really continued, but I did win the Chelichef award. And I remember getting the award in the Cellechef room, and it was named the Cellechef room after this, at uh, McPhee's in Templeton. And you walk into McPhee's, and you look, and there's that little private dining room off to the right. Yeah. And you look above it, and it says Cellechef room.
1: No way. Oh, yeah, way. That's so interesting. So you won the Cello Award in the Cello Room at McPhee's.
2: Yeah, I just, I to, I've won. I've won every one, man. I just,
0: <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's just going to be a pretty late harvest because it was a cooler year. Are we are we thinking we're going to go into like Thanksgiving or? Yeah, I'll be real
2: surprised. I don't think it's going to be you know terribly late, but it's going to go a while. Uh, we're we're approaching the halfway point right now, so I don't think he will go to Thanksgiving. Um, I think Chris has got a, a one wine he wants to make. Uh, uh, he's got a Solera going to making a uh, like like a Portuguese settable, okay, in a Solera system. So he's got some muscat cuz we've picked our muscat except for two rows that he's going to pick late. So it it'll, it'll probably push right up against Thanksgiving, but I think we'll be done um a week before Thanksgiving and almost all of the crush will be in by Halloween.
1: Hey, I want to talk about something that um we did in in your office. You do this every Wednesday and I and I just snuck up to one and because uh um Lady I fancy had a birthday of an 87 87- Vintage year. I went and got a bottle of 87, but it kind of stroked your mind in a bit to, to really get into that, that vintage year. And you put together a cool little tasting that included Paso, your wines, a reserve version of that same year. And then also Bordeaux and also Napa. What did you, what were you able to take away? You know, this, you know, 30 something years later from that 87 vintage as, you, as you tasted Napa, Paso, your reserve and Bordeaux.
2: Um, I think R87, uh, R87 Reserve, I think, showed the best or very close. Uh, yeah, we, we, I've got a group, friends, uh, people in, in the wine industry and people uh, like you know Chris and our cellar people. I've got a great cellar at my house that I've been collecting wines since um, uh, I was at Davis in the early 70s. And, uh, you know, I mean, the, the bottle, the cellar holds uh, probably originally when it was full, about 4,000 bottles. It's maybe 3,000 bottles down there. And there are wines that I bought in the 70s and the 80s. And uh, and I'm never going to drink them because, you know, when we do wine, when I entertain, I'm, I'm entertaining uh, wine buyers. Uh, wine writers, and we're always showing our current vintages with rare exception. I mean, we're, and I've got all these beautiful old wines that are just starting to rot. And I, I told Chris, I said, look, on Wednesdays, 3.30, uh, here's the keys to my house, go down to the cellar, bring up five, maybe six bottles. You pick them. Uh, every now and then, I'll say, let's do, because we did uh, a, uh, a thing where we did 77, 70, uh, 87, 97, 2007, and 2017 Cabernet uh, out of the cellar. And, and that was fun, because um, those were, you know, 07 and, and 97 and 87 were just great vintages, uh, and it was fun to see how they've, you know they hold up, and he goes down. He just picks stuff up. Uh, uh, I, I, I for the most part, I don't you know tell him what to do, and he just goes through. And he's uh, he's got a bunch of Bordeaux down there from '82 uh, and uh, through the '80s or early '90s that. Uh, he wants to start working on
1: it was just cool to see that that vintage like one static vintage and you had paso next to napa next to bordeaux and to yeah. see paso really deliver you know your reserve i mean really over i forgot the napa brand you brought up but it was a good one and i thought it was better than the napa one yeah
2: I, i'm trying to be politically correct uh i i really think r87 showed better than they There actually there were two napas and uh a Bordeaux, and I believe it was a Sonoma, and I really think our wine showed the best. That's cool, but then I'm biased. Yes, you <laughs> are.
1: I, made it. <laughs> I love
2: it. We certainly had the cutest winemaker making
1: it. <laughs> we certainly did. Who now has a full on beard? Your girl growing uh, the full yeah, Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, yeah.
2: I'm going to be able to be Santa Claus this year
1: because some of those pictures of you in the in the tasting room, you especially your old like football days, you see this big kind of big beard, and you've just got that back. Is this the first time you've been growing that that beast out, or what? Yeah, what, what happened was, uh, you know, I,
2: I, was, I grew my beard in 69 when I was a graduate student, and we were on a, a collecting trip, collecting snakes down in Mexico. Uh, it was about a, a two-and-a-half-week trip. It was in the summer, and I'd always shaved with electric, and uh, when you're camping and um, living out of a uh, a U-Haul it didn't shave so I just let it grow out, grew out, grew out and when I finally got back I said, you know, it doesn't look half bad and I don't (laughs) have to shave I'd shave, you know, my neck and I grew it out and I didn't uh, uh, I had it from 69 probably till about 99 and then my beard turned white, and my hair was still dark, and it looked silly. Uh, so I, I shaved it all off except for the goatee. and uh, But now my hair is damn near as white as my beard. So <laughs> I it. It, it'll, it'll look good. And I, I, I don't like shave. I shave in the shower. Mm-hmm. I use a blade now, but uh, I don't like to shave. And I'm thinking, okay, this is a good... Now that I and then now that it's white, eh, I'll be fine. The only time it gets any color is when I dribble my Cabernet.
0: down <laughs> my <head. laughs> And then you, yeah, you got to wipe it up after that. Yeah, yeah, I, I started growing mine, and I think Adam and I did about the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not on purpose, just happened to be. And I, I've still got it because it's nice not to have to shave. Just the neck is about it, like you said. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It just seems comfortable, and it's a thing. Everybody's doing it.
2: Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm not, I mean, like I said, I've had, ai had, my chin has not seen the sun since 69. Wow. I mean, it's, uh, I, I've never had my, never shaved my chin since 69. But uh, I'm going to go back to the full beard. And because, I mean, I mean, you'll, see, well, I think you can see it.
1: Kenny Rogers.
2: It's white. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: beautiful Kenny white. Rogers. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But I can sing better
1: than he did. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, we got Gary Eberly here uh, hanging out on a Liquid Lunch. We talked about uh, the new Lifetime Achievement Awards, including the American Wine Legend Award. That's from wine enthusiast Jeremiah. And then, of course, the Lifetime Achievement Award from Rhone Rangers. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, of course, uh, the Mondavi Award we talked about, the Hospitality
0: Award, which mm-hmm. kind of kicked yeah. this whole thing off. And is, is there any more awards out there that you're expecting to win? In the uh, future, yeah,
2: man. I, I, I didn't even. I mean, I no. I, I, did, I, never expected any of these. I, in all honesty, um, you know, the first three never occurred to me. But the the Ranger thing, I think, you know, someone's got to do something about because I'm, you know, I was really instrumental. But the the, the California Lifetime Achievement, and then the the Mondavi was held, I believe it was the Bonaventure. There's 700 people. Mm. Disney came in, Disney comes in, and they do the um, the decorating and the, the cost. I mean, it's it's crazy. And they did the really cool. They did, in fact, if you ever see the movie that they made about me, because they were taking shots of it, they had what they had, a wine wall. And it looked like just a, a wall of leaves with little holes in it, and if you walked up to it, someone would hand you a glass of wine. It's so cool. You couldn't see them, and it would come out of this wall of uh. Man, oh them. my gosh, that's so crazy.
1: Well, next Man. time you win a Lifetime Achievement Award, and they gather you for some sort of either presentation, dinner, yada, 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 uh, I definitely think it's time that you mention the cork dorks in your acceptance speech to some extent.
2: Well you know, it's funny because at the at the Mandabi and at the wine enthusiast life uh winery legend, I, I I said, you know, I owe a lot to my friends the
0: Yehoos. The yehus yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. Whoever they are. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, <he was. laughs> oh, that's so good. <laughs> Great talking to you, Gary. Yeah, I always love talking to you, my man. In fact, we got so much good feedback, Jeremy, on his conversation with us at the fair. That oh, was like yeah. a conversation. I mean, that that was a conversation for the ages. That was good.
2: And you, you need to come up. There's only maybe. I mean, the water temperature is good, but you need to within about a month. We will. I mean. The it's water true. will start getting chilly.
1: Okay, I'm gonna come up right. again. Yeah, I'm how gonna about, swim. Uh,
0: how, about, how about we come up around Wednesday about three thirty? How's that sound? you've you Oh yeah, right. Hey, <laughs>
2: no, hey, you guys are welcome. <laughs> if you would like to come up and participate in Wine Wednesday, feel free. No, oh, thank uh, you. You uh, uh you consider that an invitation? Hey, let's about see. Three thirty four o'clock.
1: Do you have uh, any of the dogs in the in the office right there with you? They were barking earlier. I know earlier they were. Oh, yeah. There's one right here. there. You want to hear them sing? I do want to hear them sing. So Jeremy, while he's setting this up, up. Okay. he can turn on this certain, uh, opera and the dogs what will the just stop what they're doing and they will look up and, yeah. and, it's and, and it's a couple TV themes that the dogs will do this too. So you can see one in the back, but, uh, we got Gary Eberly. He's going to.
0: big opera fans. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: okay, okay. so yeah. tell me what song that is that makes them do that. I don't i tell you what. The introduction to uh, Mike
2: Post's introduction to Law and Order sets them off. Yeah. Bachman Mononoff's Third Piano Concerto. This is the introduction to Cavalaria. Unbelievable. People were out in the deck and they were celebrating and people sing happy birthday they join oh my god <laughs> that's great and people um. just oh, they go crazy they but i mean i could put there's a half i mean i could put music on and they don't
0: yeah, weird. there's but something
1: to It's a certain <laughs> song. It's it a certain so tone.
0: I think I was reading yeah. into it because there was a, there's a sitcom called The Office, and there was one episode where they were making a commercial. And in this commercial, this song comes on, and my dog will howl during that commercial. Really? Just, yeah. we will stop. we will do it again. We did like two months later. We did it again. It came on, and he did the same that's thing. Something how oh, the so dog's so, are like yeah, that. Yeah, look at him back there.
2: What's funny okay. about it is it's there are some, you know, pop music. Uh, like Mike Post's uh, Law and Order, mm-hmm. several pieces of class, cause I, I play a lot of classical and opera. And then we just found, in fact, yesterday they were on, people were celebrating a birthday. They're singing happy birthday. The dogs just sit there and they put their head up. They look like an American bittern and they just howl.
1: That is so funny. I love it. I love all the personality over there. Love the dogs. Gary Eberly just chilling in his office. I feel bad that these COVID, uh, you know, corporate restrictions don't have us having guests right now. So we had to look at your beautiful face virtually. But nonetheless, thank you for taking your time uh, to talk to Jeremy and I.
2: Hey, I always like talking to you guys. Wednesday afternoon, 3.34 o'clock. I'm
1: down. Don't tempt me with a good time. Yeah, I know.
2: Uh, dipping your skinnies at the lake.
0: <laughs> yeah! <laughs> All right, Gary. Take care. Congratulations again. Great to see you. Love the beard. There he is. Be good. Gary Everly. Cheers! It's the Cork Dorks on the Crush 92.5 The Perfect Blend.